Today I'm going to begin a series we'll use through the season of Lent. Uh, I like to keep a theme sometimes that teaches us in that season. Uh, what it'll do is encourage you, first of all, to read the Bible in a fresh way uh, all through that season. Of course, we want you to do it beyond it as well. And the, the theme is life with God. Now, if you want to read the Bible in a fresh way, you know, if you've been a Christian a long time, take each passage, each story, and begin to ask the questions, what does it tell me about the way life with God should go? It will teach you something about what God is like. It will teach you something also what we're like. And then about what God wants. And you do that, you learn about that relationship, and we learn to change. But today we'll start by talking about why it has limits. And it's so that you'll feel a little at ease and we'll tell you the limits of our own creation. Okay? It's not that God is trying to limit himself to us. It is what we have to do so that we don't limit that relationship with him. God has great plans. I'm glad the day is just right after Thanksgiving. I hope you had as good a time as we did. It's a great season, isn't it? You get together with family and friends. Some may be able to get in bigger crowds, but you enjoy that kind of setting. Generally, we eat too much. That's pretty common, you know. In our case, in the past few weeks, I've done it three times. Each side of the family with big gatherings and then with our daughter and Clint, uh, Amy and Clint, the other day. And we had a good time. Well, like most about them, maybe you do too, is when you gather together with these family and friends, many of whom you may not have seen in a long time, it's a great time to renew and repair relationships. It really is. A time when you may not have had a conversation and, and we sit around this year. I, I love it this year particularly. There were quite some announcements to give. First of all, one that Dickie and I can share is that we're going to be grandparents for the third time. My oldest daughter is expecting, and we're glad of that. So, you know, my two grandbabies are going to have another one. We don't know if it's a boy or a girl yet. That's okay. Whichever one, we're going to have a good time. So that's a great. another family, another niece is having a baby, also their third one. There were two announcements of weddings, one being a date set in May, our daughter, and then another one of the uh, nieces is having an announcement of their engagement. It was a great time. And then, of course, some of us have to talk about when our next surgery is scheduled. That was in the, that was in the conversation. I mean, you know, it's the whole picture. you got to cover the good, the bad, the ugly. When you do, you know, you build a relationship back together. And it's valuable. I mean, I enjoy it as much just to sit down and talk with those people that I love, but get so few times to talk with them. We talk about old days and we talk about the present. Isn't that pretty good? And of course, the hopes for the future and what you want to bring. It is a great time. We each have our traditions. And out of them, we discover what life is like at its best. Here, if those are good, strong ones. Let's talk about some that we can build on in our relationship with God. And limits if we aren't careful. When I was a child, going to church was one of the most important things we did. Every Sunday, we would uh, pack up the five. I was one of the five, and we'd go to church all in one car. That was when we were younger, and we enjoyed going. And every Sunday, we knew on the way home that our dad was going to ask us a question. It was no pop quiz. It was going to be the same question. It was the same one week after week after week, which means that if you're half smart, you would pay attention so you'd have an answer. And sometimes we weren't half smart, okay? But this was the question. What did the preacher preach about? 
I'm convinced that God has me up here in part because I didn't have good answers to that question a lot of time. He said, okay, I'm going to put you where you can listen. You're going to have to give it. But anyway, we'd be in the, in the back seat, in front seat. We'd ask that question. And then together, hopefully, we could put together something of the story of which the preacher was about. And if we could, to his satisfaction, he would tell us that was good. Okay? That was every Sunday. That's one part of the tradition. Move on to the second part. It happened a little bit later today. I don't know about you and your family. When we were growing up, we had three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, and supper. Well, on Sunday, we never had anything. You go get your own at supper. But we had a middle-of-the-day meal that we called dinner. No other meal all week long was ever called dinner, just Sunday dinner. I always happened about 2.30 or 3 o'clock. My mom's theory was if I made them wait long enough, they're going to be hungry and like it. That was part of the theory. And it was good. And I loved it because it was always the most elaborate meal of the week. And I knew after church in a little while, we were going to sit down around that table. Unlike the hurriedness of other meals of the week, we'd not only eat, we would sit there and talk around the table probably for an hour after the meal. And that was a wonderful time. Two great memories I have of what Sundays were. In some way, that tells me about what we come to God wanting. It is an opportunity, if you would, every time we gather in worship to tell the stories of what God is doing. My father's question in one way was asking us this on the way home. Did your hunger for God get satisfied today also? He knew later in the day our hunger for food was going to reach it. But what about your hunger for God? Is that going to be satisfied today or not? The opening verse of our scripture was, but make sure you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-to-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off oblivious to God. There's one thing that limits our life with God. It is our busyness. It is our lack of attention to what God is doing and what he wants to do with us. What he often brings to us and wants us to bring to him in that relationship. We can get captured on the idea of things we need and occupy us all the time. One trail story. On the trail, I believe it or not, mealtime is not really ever much fun. Uh, You're just hungry because of exercising. You're eating junk food. You know, kids would think a candy bar three three times a day is great, but I want you to know it really isn't. Uh, or peanuts for the fourth time today, or peanut butter, or anything that's got you know some kind of energy into it, you take. And even in the evening, when you take a better dehydrated meal, if you can imagine that being better, at the end of that day, I would fix that meal and be so tired, I didn't really care if I ate it. Many times, I'd throw part of it away. I just didn't care to eat. That's pretty bad, isn't it? When you're just too tired to even care, if you eat no appetite. Maybe that's what. Paul is talking about here is that we can get so filled with everyday events that we're exhausted and we just don't have the energy to turn and look at what life of God is about. And if we don't create margins somewhere within which we can spend time with God, we'll always be that way. It can be a Sabbath day's rest. We've talked about that several times lately. It can be in the way you use your time daily. If you don't, you need to, we carve out that time of prayer, of uh, meditation, times of noticing the beauty of what God has got around us, as well as time for other relationships and people. When we do that, we create the margins in which 
We can experience life with God. And if we don't, we miss it. We want one of those great meals. And sometimes they come along when we don't expect them. In that same story, it was on uh, a, tra- a time I was in central Virginia, and I'd been out for a week. This particular week, there were no uh, towns to go through. So for seven days, with no chance of improvement, I ate the same junky food. I mean, it's terrible stuff. And the seventh day, there I am on Saturday night in a camp where several other folks are at, and I overhear their conversation about hardly being able to wait till the great lunch they're going to have tomorrow. I mean, food always gets your attention when you're hungry enough. I said, okay, what are you talking about? To which they said, did you ever, did you look at your journal? You got one of these books that tells you about the trail? Well, yeah, I got one. I just hadn't paid attention to what's off the trail. You might want to read it. So sure enough, I pulled it out and read it, and this is what it said. The home place at Catawba, Virginia, I'll tell you a little more about it in a minute, uh, is, it says, uh, has a place There's a family-style, all-you-can-eat dinner, fried chicken, country ham, roast beef, vegetables, biscuits, and cobbler, and all-you-can-drink of tea or or coffee. My mouth was watering for the list even was finished. I mean, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, how could your heart not stop? I got to go there. I knew from that moment on something had to happen, and I had to get there to get what was being offered. I think that's the the kind of desperation or the need that Paul wants to see in us in our life with God. Instead of setting limits of God getting the leftovers and saying, there's a hunger in me for what God really wants to offer. And I began to make plans on how to make it. First of all, you know, when you're on the trail, how far away is that? And I discovered it was 13 and a half miles from where I was sitting. And I needed to be there by 11 o'clock in the morning. You know, that's not easy to do. That really is not easy. So I began to look on the way you can schedule it, where you can get there, and found out I could go five and a half miles on the trail I was on. I could take a side trail for about two and a half miles, end up at a road, and go three more miles on that road and be in town. So, man, that morning as daybreak came, I was out and going. Couldn't sleep that night for thinking about how good food was going to be. You know, it's been that way before. If you think about something so much, you yearn for it. That's what Paul was talking about. He's saying our relationship with God, life with him, should be something we want so bad we can taste it. And we want it. And we are urgingly giving ourselves over to it. And sure enough, I got to the road, still at about uh, 30 minutes to spare to go three miles, which you can't do walking, by the way. You can't do that. And I didn't know what to do other than begin walking, and I wanted to hitchhike my way. But you know, Sunday morning is the worst time to hitchhike on the trail. I'll tell you this, because number one, there's fewer cars out, and number two, people going to church don't stop. They don't. But I managed to get somebody to stop, and I got it right in town anyway, and there I'm sitting in front of that store at 20 minutes before they open, and I am so thankful. The smell is coming out of the, the building, you know, the food, and I am ecstatic. And I'm standing there and I look at a sign on the door. This sign was not in my journal. It did not tell you these facts. It goes like this. It said to me, service may be denied. You know, I never heard of those words. Not from a restaurant. Service may be denied if an individual or group is disruptive to other guests. Well, I had it figured unless my smacking was going to do it, I'm in for that one, okay? That is not really a problem. However, it went on to say, service may also be denied if personal hygiene is offensive to others. 
then I knew I was in trouble. I mean, that was just not good. I, I had changed into my better clothes the night before. Those are the ones I wore the first four days of the week. I took off the ones I wore the last three days and changed into the other ones. They weren't as, they were better. Okay, they were better. Take my word for it. And there I am standing in front of the door and hoping that no one's going to go when I walk in the door. And they let me in, and they're sitting, eating my lunch that day. I reminded myself of that story, of how it was each Sunday coming home and eating dinner. And I yearned for what my father also said. I yearned not only to have the food that was for my body, but that which was also for my spirit. It was ingrained in my heart. I think that's life with God. He helps us to see what he has to offer, the great things that he gives to us. At noon, as I was walking out and paid my bill, I heard someone say, it is an hour wait. And I was thankful. The Lord had brought me to that place. Even more thankful, he brings us to this place, a place where we can come hungry. Communion is being served in a few minutes. It's not a meal that fills your stomach so you will not need lunch later. It is one that fills your spirit if we pay attention. What God has done for us in the gift of his son. He's saying to us, don't set limits on me. Come see what I have to offer for you. It's there for you. You've got to take advantage. Got to keep life in a way that he can make use of us. It takes our energy to give it. One other thing that can limit our life with God is our fears. Our fears can hold us back from thinking God would take us or that God would care to let us in. Like that sign on the door, wondering should I bother to try if I smelled it myself and said, uh-oh, I don't think anybody wants me in there, but God has no such signs. You and I can strengthen a life with God with some faithful practices. I believe the fundamental one is prayer. But anyone can do that anywhere they are, anytime. It can begin long before you ever know to enter into a church or have ever met anyone who may be a Christian or who knows God personally. It may just come because your spirit knows there's more than you and you want somehow to connect with him And he is willing. Add to that scriptures. That opening up the Bible and reading it as the story with him. What life is like with him. It gives us a fresh meaning for events in life. For what we read there. To learn something about his plan. Throw in that a time together in church with other Christian believers. And our life gets richer. Times of service adds to our life with God. When God would say to us one day, at the end, when it's all done, you did it right. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Now that's living life beyond the limits. It is in what God wants for us. The psalmist writes to us not to worry about things in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live. 
so that your youth will be renewed with wings like eagles. It's exciting to know that God has a plan for us. He says, get up, get out of bed, and get dressed. Don't loiter. Don't linger. Waiting till the last minute. He's telling us there's an urgency about life with God. He has a full plan, a great slate of events and activities planned, but we have to take advantage of it. We set the limits. He has the door open. He wants us to come in. When you come to communion, I want you to pray that he gives you energy for life with him. That's what we all need, energy for life with him. Would you pray with me? Our Father, you are the gracious giver of all this good. We sit here benefiting in so many ways, passing a season we call Thanksgiving, but Thanksgiving itself going on continually, approaching a season remembering the great gift of your Son, Jesus, and what life in you with you is to be like. Open us now, Lord. Give us the strength that you wish we may live with you. In Christ we pray. Amen.